we all have them. We all talk about them. But only two men have decided to make a podcast about their weekends. Do you have a good Saturday? What do you do? Anything good? Um, I went to... We didn't do much in the day. Two best mates. The issues are with the treatments and where researchers might... I mean, this is boring chatting at this. In an uncut chat about their weekends. I actually felt disappointed because I ordered a rubber seal for the oven door and it didn't turn up. Starring Tim and Gendel. Dad's getting pizza. And we're like, <laughs> big, big dad on campus. Hey, I didn't click my fingers and go... Mm. You did. <laughs> did you mean, hey, kids... Dad's getting pizza. Tim and Gen's weekend podcast. Anything could happen. So that's the trailer for the podcast. Yeah. What do you think? American voice, explosions, you know, do you not think it's horrifically over the top? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's perfect. Cool, cool. It's done then. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about each song, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. So if you're the kind of person who'd like a new mixtape every Monday, please subscribe. And as always, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a positive review on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you do listen to the mixtape in full and you really like the sound of what you hear, why not support a record store by buying a physical copy? My recommendation is Black Circle Records in Leighton Buzzard. They're an independent store who don't pay me to mention them in the podcast, but they do help me run a few promotions, which is one of the things I use to kind of grow the audience. So links to their Instagram and their website in the show notes. I had a great reaction to last week's episode with my old schoolmate Colin Brown, who is probably the first person to listen to this episode as he takes his 6am walk because he's weird. Uh, Hi Colin. Is it cold? I bet it's cold. But regardless of how cold Colin Brown may or may not be at this point in time, it was a lot of fun talking to him last week. A lot of laughs were had and the feedback on the episode reflects how much fun it was so thank you for everyone that got in touch but enough about that let's talk about music now this week's guest is a cornish born makeup artist and hairstylist who normally resides in london but has spent most of the pandemic hunkered down with her parents in the southwest it's an unusually long period of time for her to remain in one place but when i spoke to her it was the end of a very busy week traveling around the uk making tv presenters look good this week's guest is makeup artist, hairstylist, and illustrator Victoria Penrose. How you doing, mate? Hello. I'm okay. I'm very excited to be here. I'm very surprised to be here, as I think many of my friends would be as well. Well, I th- it, it's kind of like I'm kind of following a, a, a sort of seven steps to Kevin Bacon kind of. Mm. Uh, approach to some of my guests so 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 like one person will maybe nominate or lead to another person uh so i happen upon you through my friend tim warwood and adam gendel Mm -hmm. because i edit their podcast i basically Mm. nagged them to do it 
and they were kind of sort of considering it and I told them I would edit it for free and they're like okay we'll try it and we're now what 30 weeks in or something like that and yeah, I think it was 29 was the last one I listened to and and they're doing great they're doing really well a lot better than they thought they would and you did a guest intro on one of their episodes mm-hmm. uh, and they Tim mentioned that you were generally hilarious so <laughs> I, I checked out your social and went oh yeah she is kind of cool so I just thought I'd just chance my arm and message you and here you are over the moon absolutely made up and the thing with Tim and Gendel is that anything to do with them I adore because I have a lot of time for them and therefore the same that's how I found you so I was listening to theirs obviously I heard about you started listening to your podcast and I have a long relationship with Desert Island Discs and I'm not saying that to make your podcast sound bad because please don't think I'm comparing the two but the theme behind explaining the songs that you love and that mean so much to you or you have an interest in was so it was it's such a big thing for me that yeah I just love your podcast so it leads me there well you know this this is a a modern desert island discs that you can drop sea mm. bombs on should you want to so yeah I mean um, that's a daily occurrence <laughs> so <laughs> especially this week it's been a testing one well, yeah, you have been very busy. So you, you're you're a makeup artist and hairstylists, and and from mm-hmm. the, from just through one week of sort of looking over your sort of timeline on Instagram, it seems like it can pick up very very quickly. So mm. from what I gather, you picked up a lot of extra work in the last week or so leading up to the funeral of Prince Philip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've been a makeup artist and hairstylist you have to be both in tv it's not that i thought i was going to be both those things but they just haven't got the budget (laughs) so you are both whether you like it or not and i happen to be really good at i think i'm really good at them not much else in life but i can do that and it's been about 17 years since well including university where i studied makeup design and it's all been great and it's just like a snowball and it just picks up and i'm i'm sort of i'm four years off 40 so like you know my career is kind of at where i'd love it to be of course i would you know be probably a bit happy if I was doing Kim Kardashian for three grand a day but I'm not so you know doing Loose Women isn't far off and it, it was great until Covid and then Covid happened and then it just all went downhill and I didn't get any government help but I survived and now it's going uphill again and like you were just saying obviously we we lost uh Prince Philip and I'm I, I a lot of my work is around news and documentaries and that covers a lot of the world coverage and so obviously with both those things together I had a lot of jobs to do with his passing and then I've just picked up a new series and then of course like all good things do I had three jobs in the same week so then I had to get people out to cover the jobs for me and just that that was just a, a huge explosion of work in a very short amount of time after having nothing and just you know, I've just been upholstering chairs and selling loads of my mum's vases on Facebook Marketplace for the past year. So <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's changed a lot. I've had a great year, though. It's been, it's been lovely not to feel this manic for a whole year. Yeah, I think I think there have been loads of positives from this overall. Mm. Like, I've, I've got to spend so much time with my little boy mm. because... I'm working from home so I can I can just yeah I can take 10 minutes here and there I can walk him to nursery every morning it's been great but at the same time I've spent an awful lot of time with my little boy um and yeah it's that yeah how old is he he's four wow I mean really cute but also extremely testing like a tiny little dictator living with you 
Yes, quite quite possibly. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've been very lucky. Is is for the most part lovely, but you know, for two percent of the time, he is a dick. So, yeah, it's, like we all are. It's exactly we're all you know we're all capable of that. So it's mm. all good. But so yeah. yeah, I mean, like, and I've I've picked the podcast up again. I've learned a bunch of new sort of little production skills. You know, just mm-hmm. keep because I don't know about you. Like I got so far into sort of the first lockdown and I needed to do something a bit creative otherwise I would have gone off my head um I, I don't know whether I'm I feel like I'm the only one who says it that I actually ne- I don't feel ever feel bored I don't know it's because my brain is smaller than most people so therefore I'm very easily entertained but I am never bored I can always think of a thousand things that need to be done and of course because I locked myself down in Cornwall I got down here the day before we went into lockdown because I knew I'd be alone in London I knew I wasn't going to have any income, so therefore feeding myself and paying bills was ridiculous when I could be living with my parents, who are the, my greatest loves of my life, and I could spend maybe not all day every day with them, but a large amount of my time with them. So I had loads to do because I was suddenly in their home, and I was like, oh, that needs painting. Oh, I can fill that, do a bit of grouting there. Oh, that needs a bit of caulking, you know, so, and, you know, selling all their stuff without them knowing for extra income. So that kept me really busy. But, you know, I also was spent a huge amount of time looking for money, looking for work, trying to promote myself, trying to do Instagram videos every day. Like, just, I don't have a job that is a job without me being there. I only have a job because I make it happen. You know, and I sleep with a lot of people to make it happen as well. So that helps. But I couldn't do that in COVID because you're not allowed. So, you know, I I really felt very busy and I spent a lot of time on the phone to HMRC just begging for help, begging for money. But I didn't really get very far. So I didn't really get bored. I found it blissful that I could eat meals while sitting down. I was in the same bed every night and... That's not referring to the sleeping with people. That's referring to the fact that I'm I travel a lot with work, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm in travel lodges and like you know, you know what it's like. So, you know, and I ex- I've never exercised continuously. And me and Joe Wicks, we got really close. We were <laughs> together every day. <laughs> so, so it was really positive because I'm healthy and I, you know, and I survived. And that's more than a lot of people. Well, yeah, that's, that's a very good perspective to, to take. So, I'm imagining with all the travel, music features fairly heavily it does although with the intro it it did i should probably say until social media came along in the past what seven to ten years seven years really ramped up and i'm now in this sort of like clutches of thinking if i'm not proactive on my various accounts which cover my career as a makeup artist and also because I do some illustrating and also because I run my dad's account because he's a joiner and you know all of these other things and also being a good friend you know whatsapping and catching up with people and sending emails that what used to be train rides listening to music or reading a book a proper book with physical pages is now spent editing a video or replying to a whatsapp group and the train from Cornwall to London is, is about five hours and for me to sit and listen to a song is rare. And I think that's really sad. And I don't have Spotify and I don't have Apple Music. I only have the songs on my phone, which are the songs I love and I listen to because I feel like I haven't got, I can't take any more in. I can't love anything else because I just want to love the ones I love and get a chance to be with them. <laughs> it's really sad. The, the, I, I think there's, there's a certain element to sort of, of romance there. Like these are the, these treasured things, but... There's some beautiful music out there, mate. 
you know i know i know and i should do that and then i think i get i can get so into a song and it's not melancholy but i i'm so obsessed with lyrics that sometimes if i'm out walking which i've done a lot in lockdown or over the past year which has been heavenly I listen to a podcast and I try and learn something or listen to a history or, you know, listen to Tim Gendel's or listen to yours because I want to be taken away and listen to someone telling me information rather than me listening to like, you know, a love song that makes me think about that bloke when I was 21. That's fair enough. So really weird, isn't it? Opposite to every guest you've had. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, not at all. I, I, I think it's, one of the joys of doing this is that everyone brings a slightly different approach to it and everyone has a different relationship with with music yours is because your bandwidth is finite because you're so busy through all the other areas of your of your life it kind of makes sense that you you you've you've kind of um you've panned for the gold and you've got your treasures and i can't take any more on yeah I can't, you know, I can't, and I was so late to music. Everything you listened to when you were 16, I listened to when I was 26. So I'm catching up. So I'm still going, oh, they sang that. Oh, no, I love that. I didn't realise they sang that. And they did that as well. Oh, shit, I'll get that album then, because I didn't realise both of those songs were from them. Ah, I'll do the greatest hits. (laughs) so, So with that in mind, how did you approach building your playlist? Because I have already have a playlist for my Desert Island Discs. And it had about 30 songs on it. So I went from 30 to 10. So I was, you know, a third of the way there. Wait, is that the right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> is that the right math? <laughs> yeah. I, was, I'm, I'm, I, knew, I already, it wasn't that hard to bring them down. What was hard was to, I say the 30 songs, they have categories of what parts of my life they represent. So I had to get one out of the four that represented that stage of my life. And I couldn't repeat. Interesting. So... Whereas I would, I have repeated in the other in the other playlist that has all the Desert Island discs. Okay, so who's your first track by? My first track's by Candice Tassidy. Now, of like, you know what? I didn't actually know who she was, mm. but I know the song. Of course, it's yeah. it, it's it's an iconic. I guess you would call it maybe a dance song. It's not it's not dance music as you might know it now, but it's no. it, it, it's one of the sort of original kind of club songs. Mm-hmm. But it, because it was maybe at the sort of beginning of dance music, there's still like a like a lyrical song structure there. Yes. And that is so, what you're saying is so important because it definitely reminds me of sort of the Manchester clubbing scene and that's and my early days of going out for big nights out and that, that heavy bass. And I hate clubbing. I hate clubbing music. I've been to Ibiza five times, not one of those times I enjoyed because I need lyrics. And I was just, I'm just in a club going, this is just noise. It does, I, I'm just not that person. I need words. It's, I need to build a picture of the song. So for me, this is like this great arch of this, these incredibly beautiful lyrics like worship and love and how someone's your daily bread which I think you know I've had lovers who are my everything and it reminds me of my youth it reminds me of sitting on a fairground ride with my best friend who now lives in New Zealand and just spinning around the waltzes and it was playing really loud in the fairground and you and we know that every time we hear it we think of each other so we think of those nights out we had so it was a very it was like an early clubbing song when clubbing to me still had lyrics and then, you know, in the nightclub, we could probably go bring on, like, brown-eyed boy or, you know, brown-eyed girl, I mean. You know, it was when clubbing wasn't 
it was just dancing, dancing to songs. Yeah, I th- we we had uh, DJ Felix Lighter on a few weeks back, and that made me sit and pay a bit more attention to sort of conventional dance music because it's never really been my bag. There's been pockets of things that I like. Um, but then, I, I, so I had to sort of listen to his selection and sort of analyse it a little bit. And I've kind of come to realise is, I, d- I don't know if you've had this, but like I've certainly had sections of songs that I wish were longer. Like, mm. oh, I could I could listen to that bit for ages. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that's what dance music is. They're trying to create that, that miniature moment of, mm. oh, I could listen to that for ages and then indulging that, that desire. Yeah, I've never thought about that, but you're right. And then, of course, the excitement of when something's building up and then it goes and then you're like, and that euphoric, like, oh, that's the bit I was waiting for. And then I can really start dancing. Yeah, definitely. So there's, there's definitely an anticipation. And sometimes you, you, you don't even have to have heard the song. You can just see where the, the music is kind of going because quite mm. often it will fall away for a little bit and it will build up, build up, build up. And we're like, what is this going to be? And then it drops and you can just feel the change in the room mm-hmm. and you kind of get swept along. It Almost like someone scored a goal at a big sporting event where yeah. like it just erupts and everyone's, there's so much energy there. So um, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely something in that, that build up. But I think everyone would know this song. I just, if anyone hears the first little bass line of this song, you would know it and love it. I think it just... I can hear just the first bar of it come and I know I've got to move. I've got to get on the floor. Get on the floor. Get on the dance floor. So this is? This is You've Got the Love by Candy Statton. So moving on from Candy Satin, who have we got next? So next is Ace of Base. <laughs> Maybe surprisingly, I don't know if that's a not very cool thing to have. <laughs> mixed well, and white. It's a first, but but the, the first. but the whole point is that it it's not my mixtape; it's yours. So it's it's here for a reason. Now I I remember this track. I mean, I think most people will know what the song is because I think maybe they had two hits. Mm-hmm. to my knowledge um mm-hmm. yeah there's more I, that you think you don't know but you will know mm. which surprised me and but like this is not necessarily the kind of song that i would go looking for when when uh, I, kind of, I don't even know what year it came out i would, would have been fairly young but mm. it definitely captivated everyone because it just shot to the top of the charts at the time absolutely so it was let me see if i can bring it up here 1992 it was released so i was 10 you were 10 what would i have been uh seven i would have been seven i guess so i absolutely wouldn't have listened to it when i was seven i absolutely wouldn't have acknowledged it when i was seven or maybe i did and just didn't realize but the reason it's on here and it was so difficult to decide whether to put on i just needed something that would bring the 90s into one song and what mm-hmm. they meant to me but that wasn't my the oasis side of 90s the Britbox side which is also a huge huge love of mine it's the song that i would hear on pirate fm or radio cornwall playing when i was driving in the car with my parents my parents aren't music people we didn't have any music in the house we had four 
albums. We had like Tina Turner's Greatest Hits, Dolly Parton, Enya, and Nat King Cole for dinner parties. So the car having the radio on was the only sort of time it would, or maybe just the radio on the house. And that like initial kind of, it, I was trying to think how I could explain this song if I was describing it to someone, and it almost has sort of like a Native American Indian. Do you know what I'm saying? That first, like, I'm not going to sing it because I don't want to try and sing it on here, but it starts in like a very like willowy way, and mm-hmm. then it goes, and then it drops the do 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 do, and it's just, I'm just, if anyone hears it on the radio, I know they must smile and they must like it, and I love the lyrics. I think like the rhythm of it's almost like a reggae song. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, I could definitely, and I really love my ska, I really love reggae, so I can, maybe that's another thing that I liked, and another thing that I didn't know I liked, which is a bit of a theme when we talk more about music, that so many songs I didn't know when they first were first released, or I didn't know I liked them, I couldn't explain to, the, to people what I liked, and it's only now sort of digesting things and putting them in genres that I'm like, oh no, it's because it's I like ska, that's why I kind of liked it, no doubt, because it was kind of like a, a softened version of that, mm-hmm. I didn't realise that's what I liked. But yes, Ace of Base and this song and the lyrics of this girl waking up in the sun on her own, doing what she wants, but not being lonely, which I think is me. I'm sort of very much on my own all the time, but I don't really ever feel lonely. I mean, there are some sort of lyrics about, you know, she's a hunter, you're the fox and a night of passion and then going away and maybe getting a baby out of it. So it's just not me. I should just say that's not my intentions, but I just... I don't know, I just love it. I can't explain it. When I hear it, and I actually came on in WH Smith when I was at Padding Sensation about to come to Cornwall last week and I was in there getting some skips. And I thought, yeah, it's definitely staying because I was still not sure about it and I was going to message you then, I'm not sure. And then it came on in WH Smith. I thought, yeah, this is a bloody banger. It's staying. So this is? <laughs> this is All That She Wants by Ace of Base. All right, so that's Ace of Base. Who are you listening to now? The forever favourites. It's Oasis. My boys, the kings. You have actually picked my favourite Oasis song. <gasps> really? It's mine as well? Hands down, my favourite. Like, I've, I've spoken about it before. Um, I was a little sort of metalhead when I was like 13, 14. And... It, there was a resistance to enjoying o- o- Oasis because they were they were kind of adopted by the lads who would mm-hmm. quite frequently give a shit because we were into different music. And but there were, I've said it on previous episodes that there are some songs that were absolutely undeniable. And I remember seeing this played on later with Jules Holland and I've got a suspicion that this recording might actually be that performance because it sounds fairly live um, yeah. and it's Paul Weller that sat doing the sort of backing vocals and the, and the clapping um, I learned to play this I recorded my own version of this uh, at one point because wow. um, it's such a beautiful song and because it's I think maybe because it's so stripped back it's like an unplugged Mm -hmm. performance Mm -hmm. and you can hear more in the way that how you can hear more in how the song's been written and the little subtleties in the guitar playing that he's doing and when i listened to your playlist today i literally turned the volume up sang 
out loud along to it and just just completely I was just I was taken to a different place so I, I thank you for picking it oh you're welcome and I totally agree I think the lyrics the fact that whenever I hear it I can hear him I think he was in San Francisco when he wrote it because I think they had had a falling out and he went over there with a girl to meet a girl over there who had, he'd met at all or whatever I don't really know and he was, or he was doing a long-distance phone call with her and then he decided, I'm just going to get on a plane, I'm good at plane and I'm going to go to her just to escape. Um, and, it, yeah, just I'm, I'm looking at it now, sitting on my phone, chewing on a bone. Like, just all everything that he talks about is how I can feel sometimes when I'm on my own travelling places. But also, I had to pick an Oasis song because they mean everything to me. It's not cool to like Oasis, I guess. I don't think it is. I have no problem with that because I again came into it so late. I met them, not met them, but when I first got to London, I was incredibly green, very naive, didn't know anyone, didn't have any friends. And then obviously you make, you know, make, make friends and I was at uni and I met a guy and he was very much into them. And I always wonder, was it because I loved him so much that I like them? But obviously that was 20 years ago, so it wasn't. They, he just made me realise what I liked and Paul Weller and the jam and all the Britpot, the Manchester scene. It was all his thing. And I was like, yes, this is it. This is my tribe. And I've seen Oasis. I've seen, obviously, since then, Noel, Liam, independently, more times than I... And I, I, there's not a time when I don't think I'm flying when I listen to them. It conjures up just the joy of drink. <laughs> and being with the lads and laughing and joking and I'm, I'm not a particularly girly girl can you know I, my job I think makes people think I'm that way and because I wear makeup you know that means you're suddenly put into this pigeonhole but I'm I'm very happy at a day at the horses with the lads going out and seeing a cover band afterwards and drinking pints I have no qualms in you know being very into that and of course this song reminds me of you know that person and the sort of longing and it's just I love it it's beautiful and it's not as hard like as many of their other songs which are sort of there are anthems they're pub anthems that you put a jukebox on everyone goes mad and everyone loves it and everyone knows the lyrics but this is just a little bit softer and a little bit more once more with feeling I suppose so this is this is Talk Tonight by Oasis where you played when you were young I'll never say that I won't ever make you cry And this I'll say I don't know why I... I always wonder if, like, if I ever, like, saw this person again or if he... Imagine if he listened to this podcast, if he knew that he was, like, this... What he started and how he still floats around in these songs. It's really crazy. Well, it's, it's we, you you pin certain songs to certain times in your life. They're these little waypoints, these these little flags that you plant, and just like a song can take you back to a certain place in your head, or a you know, a, and you you can you kind of you remember all the sensations that you were feeling at the time. So the it could be like the the weather it could be the food you were eating at the time it could you know all manner of things um and i guess i guess your your former dalliance is this uh, this gateway 
this sort of, mm-hmm. you know, here you go, here's my music, and you kind of, like you say, you just kind of latch on to go, oh yes, this is what I, w- I didn't know I needed yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, my my twenties and my thirties are, are have been incredible and lo- lovely and brilliant, but twenties and like the lack of, you know, I wasn't, you know, running my business, and I just drink and drink and drink, and we just we'd start in the afternoon, just go all night, and I'd always be with the boys and just the it, the festivals and the gigs and the horse racing. It was just ah, oh, dreamy. I loved it. So moving on from Oasis. Moving on. Who have we got next? So we've got Ocean Colour Scene, which I guess is still very much part of that, that those years, and still very much part of my obsession with mm-hmm. the Manchester or the Britpop scene. I just couldn't, I had to pick another song from that era that sort of described that feeling of the time. And I've, I've been to see every live, every gig that I've ever wanted to see, every band I've wanted to see, I've been to. And I couldn't do another Oasis song, so it, it had to be Ocean Colour Scene. And this song in particular, driving on the coast you know the sort of the Cornwall influence of like those sunny days driving along going to the beach having a barbecue so it's I suppose it's kind of summarizing my love of Cornwall whereas maybe Oasis was more the London scene and they're just a wicked band they just song after song yeah the timing was was dead on for them so when this album came out it just seemed to it just seemed to encapsulate the summer, the whole summer, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. every song lent itself to certain moments in time in the in this sort of collective experience that everyone was having. It's I actually I actually know the guy who was their agent just before they broke. They were formerly known, I believe, as the Mexicolas or something like that, and they had to do a, a, a name change and. Uh, yeah, they went stratospheric for for a year or two, and I don't yeah. know if they ever, I don't know if they ever sort of followed up with anything of the same kind of caliber. I've got friends who've played with the the lead singer a few times at, at sort of folk festivals and stuff. He sounds like a lovely, lovely, lovely guy, um, but you you just couldn't get away from this album when it was out it, one of the songs was used uh, on Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels mm-hmm. and it so perfectly suited that intro which must have just sort of um, that must have opened them up to a whole new audience being in like a motion picture like that of course and like, like you're saying like coming and going like a lot of the bands that I love like James or Cooler Shaker they seem like just bands in that time mm-hmm. brief or whatever and then it's what happens and i'm sure they're still around they're still playing i saw ocean color scene in 2019 so things are still happening but maybe not the same lineup or the same people you know mm-hmm. whatever but it was very much that explosion of all this sort of similar you know it was the tfi friday wasn't it yeah. it was that you know that real summer like heady nights out drinking in the park with a few cans and then going to a gig or whatever it just seemed so simple and great and i think that's why i always go back to it and again, the lyrics. That show was such a perfect sort of snapshot for, for what yeah. was going on in music at that point mm-hmm. in time. I don't, I don't know if they ever had a bad band on. No. It was, it was so well put together that show. Like, and and you can tell they weren't kind of bowing to sort of sort of TV expectation in terms of who they booked it was very much mm. the music that Evans and his team were into because they got oh, yeah. they got therapy on who are like a Brit rock band they weren't 
pop culture at that point. But you could tell that Evans was like, we've got therapy. Like he was just yeah. so excited. And they, they had the Foo Fighters. They had all the Britpop guys. Um, yeah, it was just, it was like the perfect bit of media to accompany what was going on. Absolutely. I, I worked with Chris and I did the the newest series of TFI. And it was just, I thought I was going to be in those same, and it was days and it wasn't. You can't recreate those, no. what happened then because it's so much more censored now. And the fact that we had some Spice Girls coming on to do an interview right next to Paul Weller, you know, it's just, you couldn't. And then in the morning we watched Big Breakfast with the same crazy, you know, Paula Hutchins doing the interviews. And that time was just absolutely wild. And they were just, we were just doing whatever we wanted in TV world. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like everything's just reality and all like really controlled. And I just, those those 90 days, I think were the last decade where we just had that, just such lovely freedom. I, I think I have a deeper fondness for Ocean Colour scene now than I did back then. I think there was maybe a danger of it being a little bit overplayed because mm-hmm. it was so popular for that summer. Mm. But listening to them now, like you said, it just takes me back. I can just see, I can see, I can see sitting in fields with friends. I can see TV footage of like Glastonbury and, and umpteen other festivals because you couldn't get to go yourself. I, I, so like I... I'm I'm way fonder of them now than I that, than I might have been when it first came out. But you couldn't get away from it. But don't forget the same the same thing I've said before. In 1995, I didn't listen to them, but in 2005, I did. So I was listening when it wasn't everywhere, mm-hmm. and I was discovering them when no one when everyone else was way way bored of them. So I it's still like a fresh-ish thing for me because I was choosing to listen to them instead of being bombarded to it and I knew it reminded me of 1995 but I was in 2005 and I was doing the things that I wanted to be doing in 1995 but I was too young mm-hmm. I was very much doing them <laughs> in 2000 I just didn't tell my parents so yeah so this is this is The Day We Caught the Train by Ocean Connison All right, that's Ocean Colour Scene. Who's up next? Okay, so it's Snow Patrol next, and I don't want you to judge me on the fact that it's Snow Patrol because it is actually the only song of theirs that I know or own, but it's very special to me. Okay. Um, I just, I just couldn't believe it when I heard it. I heard it live, and the person that they sing with, so they they collaborated with this. So it's not just Snow Patrol, it's also Martha Rainwright, mm-hmm. who, again, I don't own any of her music. I don't know her. I'm not interested. <laughs> but I just heard the song, and it was so hauntingly incredible that I could almost see the story. I could, like, illustrate it in my head, mm-hmm. the story of these two people. I don't think I've even seen the music video. And music videos for me were huge when I was younger because mm-hmm. that's all we had. And, you know, I'd race home to make sure we saw the 6 p.m. playing of Bootalicious by Destiny's Child so that we could see the first playing of it because I was obsessed with Destiny's Child and Spice Girls and All Saints and everyone. And anyway, back to, back to Snow Patrol. It was just such an incredible song. And again, the lyrics, 
every single song in this list is because of the lyrics and they're talking about being far apart, trying to reach each other, trying to get that warmth. They talk about old men in pubs and that's how I grew up in sort of smoky pubs with, or around at my grandparents' house with, you know, the three bar fire in front of you that you turn on and sit in the armchair and it'd be cosy and you'd be safe. And I think this song really just reminds me of all of those things. Again, a very Cornish thing. And also sort of like the, it talks about distance and I split my life between London and Cornwall. I love my friends and my life in London and I love my friends and my life and my family in Cornwall. I can't merge the two. They're too far apart to merge them. I can't just pop to someone's house for dinner and then go to work the next day. I have to make it a, a thing, make it a visit. So the song talking about distance and desperately wanting to be with someone, but you know, crawling over hot coals to be there, I think it, it just really struck a chord and I think it's a very special song. Okay, so this is? This is Set the Fire to the Third Bar by Snow Patrol. I, I have a favourite Snow Patrol song. I wouldn't judge you for that. Okay, what's yours? Um, I think it's called You Could Be Happy. You could be happy And I won't know but you weren't happy the day it's it's yeah. a it's a really melancholic breakup song mm. and i i was listening to it before i had a proper you know monumental breakup but they, it just took on this whole other meaning afterwards oh yeah um <clears throat> so yeah it's uh I think it's called you, 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 you Could Be Happy or something like that. It's got, it's got like glockenspiel on the background of it. It's, oh, there's, wow. There's a tiny bit of like electronica kind of just in the background of it. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Recently, I filmed um, with Courtney Cox for, um, I think it's called Who Do You Think You Are? So it's the programme that looks into celebrities' mm -hmm. uh, family histories. And we were filming around uh, the Cotswolds in London for a couple of weeks with her. And she brought Johnny with her everywhere, who is her partner, and he's in Snow Patrol. I think I'm right in saying that. Okay. And I talked to him about it briefly. I mean, I talked to him so briefly because obviously it's like everyone goes, oh, I like this song, you know, when there was someone. And he actually didn't make much of it and he didn't say much about it. And it was like something that was so nothing to him. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so mad that you're part of something that means so much to me that it's made it to this very small Okay, so moving on from Snow Patrol. You don't even moving care on, but it just shows that how we interpret so things are just I, different to everyone. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. I don't know if you think you can pronounce this right or you can help me. It's not a name that you hear in an everyday conversation and I don't think even many people know this song, but it's Peter Starstadt. Okay, so like I had never heard of this artist until you sent me your playlist. Yeah. So how do you, how do you happen upon Peter Sarsted? 
I don't know. I don't know. It's just, again, it's not because of him. It's just because of the song. And that's the same for lots of the songs in, in this playlist. Well, not lots, but a few. That the song was just so... I wanted to be that girl that he's singing about. He's singing about this sort of young, nubile, I think she might be French, you know, this girl in Paris. Or maybe she's English and she's run away to Paris and she's sort of hanging with all the the movers and shakers and she's, you know, going to bed with Dylan and hanging out with, you know, whoever else and smoking cigarettes and drinking champagne and working her way up the social ladder and having this fabulous life. And I just think, I mean, my life in London hasn't quite been any of those things, but it's definitely been... Um, my parents are very happy that I lived the life that I so wanted to live and I got out of Cornwall and I didn't really like, you know, follow my dreams. That sounds ridiculous, but um, definitely had a, a very good time being me and getting a career I wanted and keeping that career going and not just going, OK, this didn't work, I'm going to try something else. And I suppose it's a, it's a little bit of a link to this song that she's just... She's on her own and she has all these weird thoughts going around and my, my head just spins constantly with thoughts and I very sort of always often love it, dreamland and it sounds, I think I sound, you know, a little bit like her but they do say when you'll get married it'll be to a millionaire and I can only but pray that's me but I don't think that's <laughs> going to happen. It's probably going to be an electrician from Manchester but I'll be just as happy with that. But um, yeah, I just think it's a very beautiful song about, I mean, uh, the 60s were a period that I'm obsessed with anyway which is, why I love the Stones and so much of the music that came out of, of that period and, and, and therefore that influenced the Britpop period and a lot of what I like there. Um, and this was set then, it was just set in this like dreamy, bougie world. All right, so this is? Yeah. So this is Where Do You Go My Lovely by Peter Starstead. Your name, it is heard in high places You know the Aga Khan sent you a racehorse for Christmas and you keep it just for fun for a laugh <laughs> they say that when you get mad all right so moving on from Peter Sarsted who are we listening to now it's Stevie Nicks and again I couldn't choose two two of the same artists and it would have been Fleetwood Mac and I, I went with Stevie Nicks on her own just because, for me, she represents Fleetwood Mac so much and they mean so much to me. But for me, this was a song that bridges two of my favourite artists because another band, Destiny's Child, who I used to love and who I saw, you know, very much in my teens listened to. And they were the first band I ever saw live in Birmingham NEC. Um, they sampled a little bit of this song and a big one of their tracks. And looping back around to Tim and Gendel, who hosts Famous First Words. If, and if anyone doesn't know, the premise of Famous First Words is that they play the first few bars of a song. If you think you know it, you put your hand up, you go on stage and you, you sing the first, the famous first words. And whenever they do this one, everyone always thinks it's Beatles by Destiny's Child, but it's not. It's actually this song by Stevie Nicks. And it's just a cracker. I just love she got away and it's about you know being free and again childhood and escaping and it had, again really resonates with me like all the songs do and of course by having this it's sort of sharing my love of Fleetwood Mac who I've been to see in Nashville in 
2018. I went over, I'm a big Dolby Parton. Well, my family are big country and Western fans, so. Um, I looked to see where Fleetwood Mac were playing in America for the last tour, and I thought maybe it was going to be their last ever tour, and I needed to see them live. And I looked at the different states, and I tried to pick a state I'd never been to, because I'm obsessed with America. I've been many times, but I'd never been to Nashville, so I thought, perfect, I'll see them there. I'll take my mum, we'll go and see Dollywood, we'll do all of that, and it was amazing. Of course, the second I booked the tickets, they said they were coming to London. <laughs> so I could have saved myself a fortune and just gone to Wembley. So then, of course, I went to see them in Wembley as well. And I actually worked with them when they came on The One Show to promote the tour. So I got to meet them as well, which is really exciting. Although they couldn't care less. And I sort of said to them, oh, you know, I've just been to Nashville to see you. And they had, you know, absolutely no, no care about that at all. Anyway, so that was a bit of a letdown. But yeah, so this song is a little bit of a crossover for both. And I just needed it to be in there. I needed to show my love for them in some way. Yeah, I was fairly late to, to the whole story of Fleetwood Mac and how how complicated it got between all mm. of them. There was a there's a there's a great bit in the Defiant Ones documentary on Netflix about Dr. Dre and his business partner who was formerly this amazing virtuoso producer who just very scrappily kind of fought his way into the industry and became like a go-to guy. And he actually had a relationship with Stevie Nicks, sort of post Fleetwood Mac. So it, it was interesting to, to to happen upon a documentary talking about another part of the story that that was after everything that that came before. And then I think there's also the Sound City documentary that Dave Grohl put together about the, the sort of famous recording studio in LA where Fleetwood Mac recorded albums and I believe when they were recording some of the material, that was when things were starting to fall apart from a relationship point of view. And the, and the material mm. they were writing was about all of that. So mm. just just a really curious situation to, to, to be aware of was like, because in any other walk of life, if you were going through that stuff, you would just part ways and go do something else. But because they were tethered in this other way creatively... They kind of they had this other interest that meant they had to kind of stick it out for as long as possible, mm. which is torture <laughs> and the drugs and the drink. Yeah, and she's a fascinating sort of artist. Super interesting. Mm. Very interesting, and you know, like all great um, artists or anyone in sort of that bohemian world, she's very eccentric and crazy and. They've all been like had their minds addled by years and years of drug abuse, and but that's what makes it so interesting. And I had no idea when I was, you know, driving in the car with my parents and getting picked up from school, and these songs were on that they were all by Fleetwood Mac. Because now I, again, I'll come in it a bit later. I met a guy who kind of was really into them, who I'm still really good friends with now. And he's married now, and you know, I, I, I'm friends with his wife, and we have, we have this like kind of Fleetwood Mac thing in common. And he was playing it and I was going, what, well, they did this and this and she sung that. And it was like this huge catalogue. And also, of course, the Peter Green Fleetwood Mac, which was in the very early 60s and, and just how she looks and how she is on stage. I mean, she's just a killer. But all of them are really interesting. And, and like you said, the dynamics of all the different relationships within the band. So this, is, yeah, fascinating. So this is? So this is Edge of 17 by Stephen Nicks. 
Okay, so that's Stevie Nicks. Who's up next? So next is Annie Bourne. Okay. It's another new one on me. Yep, me too. I don't even know how I found her and I don't know how this one song, a bit like the Snow Patrol and Set the Fire to the Third Bar, have become so huge to me when I have no... I didn't know who she is. Obviously, since I've looked her up on and watched her songs on YouTube and everything, but this song uh, came somehow into my life and I wish I could tell you how it got there but I lost one of my best friends and who died of cancer not long ago and for some reason when I was looking into her memorial party she didn't actually have a funeral she went straight from um, the hospice she was in to be cremated and never had a funeral so we never really ever got to bury her or you know say goodbye to her so we had some kind of I don't know a party or whatever and she never wanted to be placed to somewhere. She didn't want to be in something or put somewhere. She just wanted to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. God, I'm trying not to get emotional. And um, it's, the lyrics say, it doesn't matter where you bury me, I'll be home and I'll be free. It don't matter where I lay, all my tears will be washed away. And I just thought that was really, really special that actually it doesn't matter because... I've lost quite a few friends over the years to ridiculous things like asthma and cancer and, you know, premature heart attacks, as well as obviously losing, you know, loved ones who were elderly and it was an okay time to go. Um, but, you know, I lost my grandparents way before they should have died. So I've had a lot, you know, I just spoke to someone the other day, said they'd never been to a funeral and I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, I've lost count of amount of funerals, just like I've lost count of amount of wonderful weddings and christenings, but... I never ever go to the graveyards. I never see, I don't ever visit where people are buried. I don't know why, I just don't. The way the song is, it makes me realize why I don't, because I don't need to. Because I talk about them like I'm talking about them now with you. Mm -hmm. I have photos of them constantly. You know, I use a knife that was my great aunt Eunice's every day and I have her lava lamp and I sit in my papa's chair that I had reupholstered. So they're constantly around me. You know, I have I have their lockets on, I wear their rings on my fingers. I have Rebecca with me all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. And um, I think it's just a really special song because it just sort of kind of said it's okay not to maybe have that burial or not to do those visits and not to feel guilty because maybe someone goes what's a year to lay flowers on someone's grave but actually I they're around me constantly so this is so this is All My Tears by Ambron so weep not for me my friend when my time below does for my life belongs to him Moving on from Annie Brunn, who are we listening to now? We're listening to the Rolling Stones. I'm sorry I had to put such an obvious band in there, but I had to. No, they're not an obvious band at all. They're, 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 if anything, they're, I'm surprised they haven't come up more in the 40 hmm. something episodes that I've done. Uh, hmm. A comedian friend of mine by the name of Tom Ham 
picked uh, a, a Stones track and I'm not sure if anyone else since. So they don't come up as often as, as, you, as you think they might. Um, and they're, they're a band with such a massive back catalogue, it's almost daunting to me to try and delve into it because it's hard to know exactly where to start. Because mm. I get so much music brought to my attention through doing this now. And I have my own sort of uh, sort of rabbit holes that I'm going down in terms of like discovering artists that collaborate with other artists. So it's it's hard to find the time to sort of go back and figure out what you know what what are the sort of essential tracks or albums that you've got to listen to. But this one is just a classic. I think the first time I heard it, they were using the intro on a car commercial which seems terrible to say now because it's 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 worth so much more than that mm. and then the second time i heard it without really knowing who who it was was on the air america soundtrack you know that robert downey jr mel gibson tr- uh, film it's not to tell you right now i've not even seen goodfellas or the Lord of the Rings. Mate. Well, Lord, yeah, of, the, Lord or... of the Rings, I'll forgive you because it's fucking ages long, mate. But oh, Harry Potter, anything, any Scarface, Harry Potter, I haven't seen them, so really the wrong tree to climb with me, quoting movies. But um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's a there's the, the, you know what I was saying earlier about like there's certain sections of songs that you wish were longer. Right. Yes. I, I wish the intro to this song was longer because it's mm. so beautiful. Mm, it is. It's so it's so different to the rest of the song. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It starts off and then you like it crashes. Yeah. It like starts off like thinking we're going to go down one route and then it's about something completely different. And, and with the the backing vocals towards the end of it, it, it's almost soul with a little bit of gospel in terms of like yeah the the, the way it all kind of comes together with all these different sort of layers. It's um. It's a bit of an enigma of a song, really, because when you think of the Rolling Stones, you think rock and roll. You think uh, painted black. You think jumping jack flash. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. But this is so different from so much of their other material. I think it's one of those songs that I picked, like some of the others, though. It, it's on. A, it's in a category of its own, and it's there. Not because necessarily it's Rolling Stones, because I love that song. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do love the Rolling Stones. We, you know, we played Wild Horses at my grandfather's funeral. They, they are a, a big, obviously they're a big band to a lot of people. And I needed something to represent. Um, I think this playlist represents different parts of my life with different pe- people in my lives. And I wanted something to show how my love of gigging. I go to many, many gigs, even though I don't know whether I come across as someone who's sort of into music. I'm very much into drinking while watching music, <laughs> surrounded by young men. Not young, you know, any age is fine. But um, I needed something to represent that. And I wanted, so I thought, I'll do Rolling Stones because I can't repeat with Oasis. But this song in particular, it is Mary Clayton who does the backing vocals. Okay. It's so unbelievable that the reason I love the song is because of her and not because of anything else that they do or that mm-hmm. Mick does. The fact that she's talking about the Vietnam War and the absolute hell that happened during that time, 
and the way she screams those lyrics and I'm, I saw an interview about with her once talking about this song and that she had got the Stones were in, I don't know, Memphis or wherever they were recording. They chose a studio. They used to go to different studios, different parts of countries. You know, much like many bands do, they sort of hole up in a certain place. And they say they were in Memphis, I don't know. And whoever said that we need a we need a backing vocalist, and someone said, listen, give this girl, give this girl a ring. And she was like a mum of young kids, a young black woman. She came to the studio with her hairnet on and the rollers in because she'd been dragged out of the house last minute. And I think when she walked in, they maybe thought, mm, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know how this is going to fit with our aesthetic, even though I know they were heavily influenced by black and especially black Southern music. But she probably knew that they were thinking, who is this? So she thought, I'm going to give it to them. And mm -hmm. she went so unbelievably hard on them that it is haunting. It's just phenomenal. And I, I love it. Um, and I think when you listen to it, I definitely <laughs> feel very grateful for the position I'm in now, even though we've all been through a very difficult time, we've not been through a war. You know, we're, we have food and lighting and warmth and all of those things that were taken away from so many people over so many wars over the years. So I think it's uh, it encapsulates a lot of what I uh, I think about daily, how lucky I am. Okay, so this is? This is Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. Okay, so following on from the Rolling Stones and Gimme Shelter, we find ourselves at your final track. But before we get into mm. that, for the benefit of anyone who, who is maybe discovering you for the first time, where's the best place to find out about who you are and what you do? So I have an Instagram account that I post on a lot, and it's Victoria Penrose Makeup. And it is predominantly, obviously, about my career as a makeup artist. And I, that is something I have to do now. We all seem to have to have Instagrams. But also it's very much me. So I think the stories every day are more about my life and about the fact that I'm not that into lipstick, but I am very much into gin. So <laughs> that's where they would find me most days. I will say, because obviously makeup tutorials is not something that my life needs. No, they're boring as hell. It's but, shit. Well, yeah, well, it, it, you know, as, 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 much as, uh, as, as much as a good foundation might improve my complexion, I, I'm not going <laughs> to go looking. But no, um, what, I, what I will say is that th there are pockets of hilarity in your feet. Like it's 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 your personality and your sense of humour in between the the sort of industry stuff that makes it I really know. enjoyable to to watch. And and I absolutely see what Tim was talking about, and she's like, Penners is fucking funny. <laughs> So, I think, yeah, that I'm definitely Penner's, but I'm also Victoria Penner's makeup, and I hope people see both. Oh, they absolutely. They absolutely <laughs> will. So who are we listening to for your last track? So the Queen, Dolly Parton, is my last track. She, um, I grew up with country and western. I'm a farming family. We had very few songs. Like, you know, my parents didn't have music, but they definitely had Dolly Parton's, I don't know, great hits or whatever it was. When this song was covered in the 90s by Whitney Houston, it, 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 it exploded. It was, you know, I think it was known as one of the greatest songs of all time. It's probably, you know, quite repetitive to some people. But Dolly's version, 
and I've seen her many times. And, you know, I've watched a lot about her when she talks about her childhood and her mum and dad and growing up on, on the farm. This dog is for my mum and dad. They, I have had the most unbelievable life with them. I'm an only child. We are best friends with the Penrose Triangle. There is actually a Penrose Triangle, by the way. It's like a three-sided. If you knew that, that would make more sense than it actually sounds. Um, <laughs> I'll do an illustration for you later. Um, and I just had to include this because this mixtape with you is really my desert island disc. You know, it, it, it was meant to represent different parts of my life. I know other people just do mixtapes or songs they love, but I had to have this in here just as a little um, ode to my greatest loves in my life, which were my parents. So yeah, this is our song. Whenever we hear it, we always think of each other. So it's special to me. I think Dolly Parton's version sounds more honest and authentic than Whitney's version. And I, you know, and, and I've I've seen Dolly make light of the fact that it went so much bigger with Whitney. Mm. You know, mm. a, a, almost a sort of thanks for the royalties, darling. Um, mm-hmm. Because and, and I think that's one thing that people love about her is that she has this sense of humour about herself. You know, she's 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 fully self-aware of the 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 elements that, of her that are over the top and a little bit ridiculous. Like she she doesn't pretend like it's normal. And oh, she's no, it's great. It's a you know, great attitude to have. I really respect her for that. But all of her music, all of her songwriting, is intensely personal. Mm-hmm. Um, th- mm-hmm. There's there's some really good sort of documentary stuff on Netflix actually, where she delves into just that, and she's yeah. so personable, and like she's I mean she, she gets asked to headline contemporary rock festivals, and a lot of people might turn their nose up and go what, but I I, I would defy anyone to to see, to see her live and not come away with a completely different take on oh, who absolutely. she is. Absolutely, yeah. I, I I very much like, I think it's a bit like with me, like, you know, the makeup stuff and, you know, I wear makeup and I do my hair and I dress up and everything, but that's not who I am. You know, that's just a part of me. And I think she's very much, you know, that's, she's puts on this show, but she's really funny and she's really kind and, you know, she has a really strong family connection and she doesn't take herself too seriously. And I think that's a wonderful place to be. And, she, and she, there is song after song after song of classics. Everyone will sing along to one, surely. Absolutely. So this is? So this is I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton. Victoria, thank you so much for coming on. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so much. It was really lovely. I hope I haven't repeated myself so much and droned on about ex-boyfriends too much. (laughs) What you So that concludes this week's episode with a very interesting and engaging guest. The friends we have in common speak very highly of Victoria and their assessment is spot on. I'm extremely grateful for her enthusiasm for the show and her brutal honesty at times. It's the first time I've had someone get upset whilst talking about a song because 
it's so closely connected to someone dear to them who is no longer with us. And that's a great example of how we can bind a piece of music to a point in time or a person and how they made us feel. And in that sense, the song almost becomes as valuable as a photograph for the memories it stimulates. I've placed links to all of Victoria's creative endeavours in the show notes of this week's episode and as always we've kept the music discussed played below the conversation because I believe that all musicians should be paid for what they do. So if you want to listen to the mixtape in full you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. But for now I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike. We both know that I'm not what you need.